Amen and amen. All right, church, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we press on in our look at chapter 5 as we began chapter 5 last week. And we continue in our series on Ephesians with this being our 16th sermon in Ephesians. And I hope this time has been just as edifying for you as it has been for me. But uh, hopefully you also grabbed an outline on your way in this morning. So that'll be our guide through God's Word. Answers will be on the screen behind me as always. But when one examines our natural inclination for how we live our lives, just the way we go about our lives, the way we structure our days, the way we go here, there, and everywhere... It's a rarity that we would use the words careful consideration or wisdom to be used to describe how we live our lives. Most of the time, whenever we're describing, now maybe sometimes it would be an apt description of our own lives, but when we look at the culture at large, when we look at people in general, We don't see a lot of careful consideration with planning out or considering or intentionally going about how they live out a day or just their days in general. Intentionality is in short supply. This is a word I've used quite often and I will use quite often because I believe, and as we'll see this morning, it is something that we, as those who are in Christ, are challenged repetitively throughout Scripture to live with, and that is to live with intentionality. Now, intentionality is in short supply due to many things, a few of which include overindulgence of the self, right? If the self is of greatest priority, then however the self is feeling that day or that month or that year, whatever it is, might be how people go about uh, organizing and strategizing their life which might lead to lack of strategization or lack of intentionality. Dismissal of the Creator is another thing. Along with this comes lack of wisdom. I mean, think about it. This is why we elevate thinkers, motivators, leaders who exhibit such characteristics. We're drawn to those who seem to pour out wisdom with every word. I've levied this challenge of intentionality to us before, but this morning we're going to be challenged by God's Word to walk in wisdom and intentionality. And we shall see how wisdom breeds intentionality. Because for those who are in Christ, we have been provided wisdom that we might be intentional with every day, every hour, every minute. So I'll invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word as we continue our look at Ephesians with Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21 being our text this morning. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of God. Let's pray, church. God, as we come before your word this morning, we seek edification, we seek obedience, we seek to be humble and to be humbled. God, speak to us clearly through your word. Give us all necessary wisdom and discernment to understand your word. And give us all necessary endurance to obey your word. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. So, we're continuing here as I outlined for us and as Paul has outlined for us. We're continuing here on the path of sanctification this morning. And we find ourselves having been challenged so far. This all began with that challenge to walk in a worthy manner. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And the steps on that worthy walk which we have been given are to walk united, step one. To walk holy, to walk in love, to walk in light. And this morning we have this as our challenge, to walk wise. And we see that there beginning right off the bat, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So the then right there in verse 15, it's the third word there, uh, depending on which translation you look at, guess. Look carefully then how you walk. The then in this statement focuses our attention in two places. Number one, it anchors us in the previous point. That we are not to take part in unfruitful works. Rather, our charge is to expose them. Bring them out into the light. And because it is in the light of Christ and the light of community that we live as followers of Christ. So in light of this challenge to fruitful living, look carefully then how you walk. The second place this statement focuses our attention is forward. For this is continuing this application as being ongoing work and process in the life of a believer. If we are living among those who do shameful things and who are walking in darkness, who are still living in the old self, then we must be prepared. We must be vigilant. We must be intentional in how we walk. I love bow hunting. Many of you know this. This is why I'm so passionate about archery and about developing that discipline while using it as an opportunity for fellowship. So, the surest way to make sure that you don't come home in bow hunting, the surest way to make sure that you don't come home with anything but frustration is to not have a plan and to not hunt with a purpose. Every step must be measured. Every, move, every movement strategic. You have to know where you're going, where the wind is, where you think the deer are coming from, all of that kind of stuff. So Paul is preparing the church. 
here for living out their faith in the light while being in a world of darkness. And so, in doing so, you cannot go about thinking that everything will be easy and that you will find the light everywhere you go. This is the call of the church, to be a beacon of hope and grace and love. But we cannot be a beacon of light if we are taking part in darkness. So as you continue on this path, look carefully then how you walk. So again, that's two places that that then statement focuses our attention. It focuses us, it reminds us of, the, it roots us in what he's already said, of not taking part in unfruitful works, and then it focuses us forward, be careful then how you walk. So, what is the plan of intentionality that Paul lays out for the church? If this is what he's doing, he's going to be careful then how you walk amongst a world of darkness if you are living in the light. What's the plan that he lays out for the church? How does he charge them to live in light of their faith? Well, we've already addressed the first instruction we see there is to be in Christ is to cautiously examine. Look carefully, then, how you walk. We must always be at the ready, quick to examine. Examine a few things. Examine our walk in accordance with God's Word. How are we walking? Where are we stumbling? Where is darkness creeping back into our life? And the other area that we must be ready to examine is that we must be ready to examine ourselves and be ready to be examined. Examine one another. Am I noticing something in the walk of my brother or sister that needs to be addressed? Are they noticing something in my walk that needs to be addressed? And am I ready to receive that, re to receive that rebuke with humility or am I quick to defend and justify, but slow to repent? See, this is the cautious examination which we must approach our walk and our walk together as the church. The implication and challenge here is that the life of the believer is the life of cautious and consistent examination. Why? Why do we need to be so cautious? Why do we need such examination? Because the days are evil and so is our flesh. This is why we had to be told earlier in chapter 5 to abstain from evil. And now, as we've been told to abstain from evil, now we're being told to cautiously look carefully then how you walk. But if we're going to examine, certainly we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped in order to correct ourselves. We need to be equipped in order to be ready to rebuke or correct a brother or a sister. So hence the next part. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. To be in Christ is to walk in wisdom. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. As we reminded ourselves multiple times through chapter 4, how we live is a testimony to where our identity lies. If our life reflects the world and its ways, then we are most likely of this world. But if we are in Christ, then our life is to reflect the character of Christ. Now, we've already received exhortation to walk united, walk holy, walk as imitators, walk in love, walk in light. Now we are challenged to walk wise. So why do we walk like this? Why do we need to walk wise? Because it is now who we are. Our, our walk bears witness to our heart. So why wisdom? Because we need it. And because it has been provided for us in Christ. One of the main overarching messages of Proverbs. Get wisdom. And that wisdom is only found in the creator of wisdom. And the creator of knowledge. Consider what we read in chapter 1 of Ephesians. You can just turn a few pages back. Ephesians 1. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Or consider Paul's words to Timothy. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the Spirit, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by the angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed in the world, taken up in glory. In Christ, God provides us with all necessary wisdom to know Him. And to grow in our knowledge of both him and creation through his word. In his word, God has provided us all necessary wisdom that we may know him through Christ. Yet we would flippantly treat each day without purpose or meaning. And yet we would let another day go by without intentionally and purposefully seeking him through his word. Don't let it be so, church. Seek wisdom. Treasure it. And do so with confidence that in Christ, God has provided us with all necessary wisdom to accomplish his purposes. And as we shall see in just a bit, he has provided us all necessary wisdom that we might be able to discern his will. But the next phrase there, so we see, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. 
So we need wisdom in this age and every age upon this world that we may maximize the time that God has graced us with. Because if we truly believe that God has created us for his providential purposes, saved us according to his providential purposes, and called us according to his providential purposes, then why would we not seek to maximize Every moment that God has given us for his glory. Wisdom equips us to maximize our lives for the glory of God. Wisdom equips us with the necessary understanding to see God's plans unfolding, his providential purposes at work in our lives and the work of those around us. That is why we as his church must walk not as unwise, but as wise and be intentional with time. That to be in Christ is to be intentional with time. Paul even points to the sinful evil of this world as evidence for our need to make the best use of our time. The days are evil. Therefore, make the best use of the time that God has given to shine the light of the gospel. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. This is what it means to walk wise. It's to carefully examine and not as unwise but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And we continue reading there. As Paul continues to develop this idea, verse 17, Therefore, that famous word, do not be, uh, be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, therefore, anchoring it, making it a dependent clause, therefore, so because we are called to walk not as unwise, but as wise, because we are making the best use of the time, and because the days are, we're making the best use of our time, because the days are evil, and God is at work, and He has called us according to His purposes, and created us according to His purposes. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, notice the structure and the implications of the sentence. Because the adverse of this would say that if you do not know what the will of the Lord is, then you are foolish. So, those who are wise are able to discern God's will. That's the next point on our outline this morning. Those who are wise are able to discern God's will. Now, again, where do we get that wisdom? As those who are in Christ. We gain that wisdom, not from the wisdom and understanding of this world, but we gain that wisdom in Christ, who has made known to us the mystery of his will. I've noticed that this topic of God's will can sometimes be a point of confusion for a great many of believers. Many don't seem to have a firm grasp when it comes to this concept, but you would be surprised how many times in God's word, it says, this is God's will for you. Some talk about it as if it's some unsearchable, unknowable, mysterious thing. But as we already read Ephesians 1, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Others will talk about it with all too much confidence. And often, 
those who talk about it with so much confidence, impose their own agenda in the name of it being in God's will. So we have those two different spectrums, right? We have those who think that God's will is unsearchable, unknowable, mysterious. We have those who think that they have this great understanding of God's will and somehow they keep developing this idea for God's will that is right in line with their own agenda and somehow it, we do not see it in his word. And so we have those two different spectrums. Paul clearly talks about here God's will, not as some mysterious thing to be conceptualized and never realized, rather as something that he gives us the ability to discern. We see this also in Romans 12, if you'll turn there. Starting in verse 1, we have that famous verse, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Or how about what we read in 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians 4. We read this, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness, in honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Or skip to chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that begins with verse 16, which says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So it would seem that God's will is able to be discerned and that he has given us all necessary ability to discern it. And he's given us the wisdom to discern his will. And so the next time you think, is it God's will for me to Go and witness to this person or that person. And I've heard that many times. I decide if it's God's will for me to go here or there or, or go on this mission trip. It is God's will for you to make his name known. It is God's will that we be set apart, sanctified, made holy, pursue holiness. God has made his will known that we might walk in accordance and obedience to it. We continue with verse 18. So therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So here we begin this uh, walk as we see this breakdown of those who are wise. So we've seen that those who are wise are able to discern God's will. And now we see that those who are wise are satisfied with his spirit. The clear command here of do not be drunk with wine provides us with a standard that we can apply to all walks of life. 
pun intended. It'll come to you later. I'm talking about the walk of sanctification, right? All walks of life. Never mind. So, this standard can be applied here. Overindulgence in anything that would replace Christ as our ultimate desire is never a good thing. And such things must be approached with measured wisdom and discernment before partaking. Well, where do we get wisdom and discernment? From Christ. So that is to say that God's presence in our lives is to be our ultimate satisfaction at all times. So anything of this world that would replace that is to be approached with all caution and for some to be completely avoided. Therefore, whatever earthly pleasure would seek to invert this truth must be approached with wisdom. Those who are wise are satisfied with his spirit and his spirit alone. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So we've seen that those who are wise are able to discern God's will. They're satisfied with his spirit. And now we see that those who are wise actively participate in corporate worship. Now, what this is not is not a command to go about our lives like we are living in a musical. Right? So this is not to always be addressing one another in constant singing mode. Right? Although I do love a good musical, this is more in the attitude of corporate worship gatherings. How are our corporate worship gatherings are more than just a religious pep rally. And when we gather and we sing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God thy Father. We're not merely declaring that or just singing a song that makes us feel good or happy. In corporate worship, we are both singing with and to one another. So when we sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Not only are we declaring that to our own hearts, but we are declaring that to the hearts of our brothers and sisters around us as well. And so that is why it's so important that as we gather, we make sure that we are not mindlessly reading words off of a screen, but intentionally declaring the truths of Scripture, reminding our heart, and declaring it to those around us as we sing praises to our God together. So, we continue reading verse 20. What's the next thing that those who are wise do? giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, we've seen those who are wise are satisfied with His Spirit. They, they, uh, those who are wise are able to discern the will of the Lord, are satisfied with His Spirit. They're active in corporate worship. And now we see that those who are wise, are abundantly thankful 
for God's grace in all things. This is, this is the posture that would have us intentionally seeing God's goodness and grace in all things at all times. This is the posture that would have it be important that we pray before we eat a meal to give thanks to God the Father for his provision for this meal. This is the posture that no matter what difficulty we face in life would have us see that this is God's providence to bring us to this challenge and that he will provide us the necessary strength through it for his glory and for our good. This is the posture that would have us be abundantly thankful and see all things as evidence of God's grace. We move on finally there to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the final thing here is those who are wise live lives of service. Those who are wise live lives of service. So, in the wisdom that God provides us in order to, to discern His will and to live according to His Word, we see that that then moves us to be able to discern His will, be satisfied with His Spirit, actively participate in corporate worship, be abundantly thankful for His grace in all things, and then live lives of service submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. For those who are wise understand to have or know to live with very little self-regard in all things. That as we walk united, as we walk holy, as we walk in love, as we walk in light, and as we walk wise, we realize that our lives are not something to be tightly held on to or regarded as uh, our own, but we live lives of service first and foremost to God who has graced us with life, who has given us life and has called us according to his purposes. And then we live lives of service to those who are around us and who he has united us with out of reverence for Christ. So our lives of service, in living lives of service, we are living lives of worship. Now you might be saying to yourself at this point, what do being satisfied with the Spirit or participating in corporate worship or thankful for God's grace and lives of service have to do with wisdom? Because as God grants us wisdom to understand His will, we gain perspective on his providential working in all things. Therefore, the presence of his spirit is what satisfies us. The group of believers he has brought us together with to exhort and encourage and grow with. We are eager to worship God with those people. Wisdom allows us to see the overabundance of God's glorious grace in all things. And finally, wisdom moves us to see the need for the gospel and to be obedient to the gospel and to submit to one another as the church. 
If you need wisdom, seek it, church, because he has provided it. And as you seek wisdom and as he provides that wisdom, then let us walk wise, not as unwise, because the days are evil. And let us live intentionally, making the most of the time. And let us not be foolish, but let us discern what the will of the Lord is. And that is to live for his glory. And we know that as we live for his glory, that will be for our ultimate good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. That it is sufficient in all ways and in all things. As we consider this exhortation to walk wise, we seek you for wisdom. Forgive us for our frequent lack of intentionality. Forgive us for our frequent foolishness for when we do not rightly discern your will according to your word. As your church, Lord, help us to walk united. Help us to walk holy. Help us to walk in love, in light, and help us to walk wise. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.